Good evening and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, celebrating a new year along with everyone else. Welcome. We're, today we're hosted by Ed Ed, uh, Mike, Megan, and myself, Steve. How's everybody doing? All right. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, everyone. Good to see and hear all of you. Yeah. The <laughs> highlight of my New Year, I guess, was when somebody said that Sunday was one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> That's where my life is. <laughs> so a lot of weddings. A lot of people wanted to get married. You're going in and out, Megan. A lot of people wanted to get married on that day. Because of waltzing or yeah. You know, it was one, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many people wanted to do the opposite on that day, but we'll leave that. <laughs> okay, Megan. <laughs> Megan, what's the biggest story of the week, in your opinion? Oh my gosh. Come back to me. Oh, man, you Mike's <laughs> excuse. Mike, you've been rubbing off on her. <laughs> all right. You're putting us all on the spot. Oh, you okay. Ed P, Ed P, what's your biggest story of the week? <laughs> oh, God. Um, there's California giving uh, Medicaid to illegals. There's um, all of the uh, fights over Trump's uh, eligibility on the on the various ballots. Um, I don't know uh, whether there's anything particularly big over the last month because um, or last week or so because it was a holiday weekend and uh, you know we're we're still we're still very much um, looking forward to the uh, Epstein client. Well, we're not Epstein client, but Epstein friend list release, um, which I think will be a huge dud. Uh, it be a dud. Can I just clarify that no one affiliated with the Liberty Block is going to be on that list? No, no, no one is going to be on the list. I'm just joking. <laughs> Just what it's it's people mentioned in the in the complaint, right? So it's not like oh, here are all the list of the people who flew on this plane, or here are all the list of the people who we know went to the, you know, island, uh, the little St. James Island, to uh, engage in uh, <clears throat> things that our family show should not talk about, and um, it's not going to be that, you know. So I, it's going to be a big dud. But we know some of the people are on the list. We know Bill. Uh, Clinton's on the list. We know Bill Gates is on the list. We know RFK Jr. is on the list. We think maybe J uh, Jimmy Kimmel is on the list. Oh, I you know what? I saw him like really flipping out on on, on X over that. Yeah, he was, he was really pissed off. He's like, my name's not not going to be on the list or whatever. So I don't know. We'll see. There are a lot of people who are friends with Epstein. You know, uh, <laughs> a lot of people. Well, I think the interesting one is going to be Dershowitz. Ooh. Why is that interesting? Well, because he's out there um, denying it and denying it and denying it and protesting too much. So, well, he he was accused of having relations with an underage woman, and he denied that. Um, but I don't think he ever denied like knowing and being friends with Epstein. I think he he did say that. So. He's saying he's what he wants more and more to come out because he'll be more and more innocent. 
So, mm -hmm. and then of course there's Ehud Barak from Israel, and does that matter to anybody? But for him, that's the least of his sins. So, I think the you biggest know, yeah, story the, of that. Oh yeah, of the, that right now is just the delay. Huh? Yeah, the delay. Right. Exactly. Oh well, the Babylon B said that uh, the the list has has been found uh, um, hanged in its cell. Uh, and so it's said. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of our Israeli friends, they executed a particularly uh, good um, attack against Hamas leadership and other terrorist group leadership in Beirut today by targeting, finding out that there's this big meeting going on and then uh, attacking. Yeah, it's with yesterday, some sort of, but uh, no one's saying Israel did it. Ha ha. Um, well, come on. Uh, so that was... Uh, that was pretty good. I remember, I don't know, back in the Reagan administration, you know, there was some something in the New York Times, like there's this big terrorist meeting, you know, all these terrorist groups are meeting in this hotel in Beirut. And I was wondering, like, if if we knew that, why why didn't we like, you know, drop a huge bomb right right there, kill them all at the same time? But that, that wasn't done back then. And but it seems like Israel is not screwing around anymore with this sort of stuff. Um, well, you know, Israel has vowed to get everybody involved, and I think they will, like they did with Munich. But that just oh, the question harder of if Israeli intelligence yeah. is so good, what happened October the 7th? So they're going to attack Tehran. What? You said they're going to get everybody responsible. So they're on their way to... No, Iraq. they're going to... Everybody in the Hamas leadership, and if yeah. they have to knock people off in other countries, they, they have ways of doing it. Well, that. there was a, a huge explosion in Iran today that, that yeah. killed a bunch of people. It's hard mm -hmm. to know exactly what happened and, uh, you know, exactly whether it was targeted or whether it was an accident or whatever. But, um, you know, that... As we get more details, it may turn out that that's a, a targeted attack. Against I think, you know, they're saying maybe the opposition. I don't think Israel would set off a bomb that's really sloppy. Israel likes to do, you know, clean assassinations. I think the good part about the Hamas guy in Lebanon is it's a strong message of we're going to come after you and find you. As apparently, that's what America wants them to do. Stop killing everybody else and just kill the, the leaders which I guess gets back to the anniversary of America knocking off the big Iranian guy, Suleiman, which I thought, I thought America doesn't assassinate people, but whatever. That, that, that seemed, um, of course, the, he and all the IRGC deserve to be killed multiple times, but that seemed rather reckless as a policy choice from, from Trump when uh, he killed Soleimani when they were he was actually being invited in the country partially by the United States to discuss various uh, security concerns. Pretty so pretty that, pretty that, pretty that, that. Let's see. We got now we got three Eds on our show. I know the multiple Eds. The Department of Eds is uh, expanding. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, now we're back to one. Let's see if we can. Unless the kitty is named Ed, then we might have four. There you well, go. My daughter's trying to have him go through a little trans movement. She yeah. changed to Tay Tay after Taylor Swift. And so then I asked, is that does that mean he's a girl? And she just said yes. 
So I think he's transitioning. Oh, wow. I want to be a supportive parent. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. I, I was oh, just don't mess the cat up even more. His name is Tiggy. Okay. But she calls him Tay Tay. I just changed my name, so I'm Ed too. All right, I'll be Ed. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right. If everybody's going to clown around, I'm going to ask. We have it all cleaned up now. <laughs> I, I warned you before we started that I was having some connection issues. So well, that's a better camera. That's a better camera. We can see that you're a human being. Yeah. Okay. Ed, you don't have to put up with all this abuse, you know. Right. At least he has okay. one fan. We know he has one fan. Mike. Uh, oh, but I'm bump. Yeah. Okay. Good question. Back to the regularly scheduled. Program. Regularly scheduled. <laughs> is, is swatting out of hand, and what can be done out of uh, done about it? Is swatting out of hand. It's the same he, thing as all the other ridiculous things the left is doing. The only thing to do is to separate from these people. That they will use anything they can. It, it, swatting is, is sort of the equivalent of treating all these illegal immigrants as asylum seekers and giving them giving them court dates, you know, however many years out or even weeks or months out. They're they're deliberately trying to use to use false claims, but but use the benefit of the doubt and the presumption of innocence to get away with making life difficult for conservatives. That's well, that's what this how's is. How's the presumption of innocence and swatting? Isn't that the presumption of guilt? Well, well the no, interesting thing is... The, the presumption of innocence is that the call to the police is a genuine call, not a setup. I'm just saying it's, it's this is not going to end well. I mean, MTG's family's been swatted like eight times now, I believe. Mm. Turley's been swatted. Even some on the left are getting swatted. How many people yeah, I mean, are going to get hurt before we figure out a way to control this? So Tim Pool, commentator, has been swatted like 15 times. I was there one night when he was swatted. That was interesting. Um, what went down? I meant to ask you. The, um, the interesting thing about it is he now had, you know, the first time they were all very wadi but uh you know after a while um they have to go out but they call ahead and they have the security guy talks to them and the reason they have to go out is that um uh the cry wolf you know phenomenon right you if you set someone up you can set someone up by calling 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 fake 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 to the point where if the cops don't go out, then the next time it's it's real. So you the cops do go out. Um, the thing about the Tim Pool one, which he talked about, uh, was that obviously they know the phone numbers of the callers. And obviously the phone number was not in, the, he lives in, in the, you know, uh, corner between Virginia Maryland, West Virginia, it was not in any of those states. Um, and so the Maryland police, you know, who come out, um, they can't do anything except report it to the FBI who's supposed to deal with it. And the FBI is like, uh, sorry, uh, we're not going to do anything. Hmm. Um, and, you know, whether 
they're not doing anything because they don't, you know, if, if, you know, some, if Nancy Pelosi was swatted, you know, would the, would the, uh, would the FBI do something? Probably. But if some random, you know, Democrat, if, if Cenk Uger was swatted, I doubt that uh, the FBI would do anything to him for him either. Um, you know, people, people do these things from out of state, obviously. Um, and they, they do it, uh, you know, if they're, if they're clever, they might do it through some sort of a, um, you know, fake caller ID and stuff like that. But uh, it's, it, you know, all that stuff is easily gotten from the phone company and the FBI simply refuses to do it. And the local cops are, you know, completely yeah. out without power. And so it just keeps going on and on and on. Now, the day I was there at Tim Pool's place, um, the cops didn't even come in. Uh, we were just told to stay where we were and not move. Um, but they, you know, they just, they came in the up, they were in the basement, they came up the upstairs and, and talked to the people and then, and then left. Um, but it, it's, uh, it interrupted their, you know, getting ready to do the show. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's very intrusive and it wastes police time. And people are going to get hurt. People have. Yeah, they, people have been hurt. Yeah. Yes. But, so you're saying yeah. really nothing anybody can do about it because the FBI won't. Well, I have an idea, by the way. I have an idea how to fix the FBI. Yeah, me too. That's <laughs> and a, not what Trump no, not what Trump said. them a spectacular new building in Washington, DC. That's a great idea. <laughs> great idea. Is that the dumbest thing he's ever said, or am I forgetting something? Uh, you may be forgetting something, but that is definitely up there. I, I can't. Where did it even come that. from? What I think he's trying to make a deal without being president yet. Like, leave me alone. You'll get a beautiful building. Like, Stephen, it came from him responding to DeSantis saying that he wants to move all these agencies out of Washington D.C., and he was criticizing DeSantis and saying. I'm going to build them the most beautiful building in Washington, D.C., and we're going to rebuild Washington, D.C. and all of our other great cities. That's where it came from. So doesn't that say to DeSantis, if his campaign has a brain, keep doing this? Because if everything you say, he's going to say the opposite, you're going to bury him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, he's, he's, got to get strategy. he's got to get the message out, though. I mean, yes, you're uh, you're 100% right, but he's going to have to start doing you know, commercials about it and I making, mean, it, making I mean, it clear. The only issue is that I don't think anything is really going to move the needle at this point as far as Trump is concerned. It, it's kind of like Hillary when she ran. It, it was all baked in the cake. Everybody had their minds made up about her after, you know, two decades and in, in being in the spotlight. Trump can say the stupidest thing imaginable, and I don't think it's going to change anything right now. These people have pictures I of him living rooms that's like Mao energy <laughs> that's like young Il, Il or whatever his name is energy they have pictures paintings of him in their living rooms that I haven't seen and I think in about 12 uh, or 13 days they're going to start lighting those paintings on fire <laughs> okay yeah just reminded of our bet um <laughs> 
Well, it's funny because when everybody was wishing everyone Happy New Year on social media and everything like that, I was quite very tempted to remind everybody that we're headed towards Trump-Biden round two. <laughs> Just to put a whole damper on 2024 right there. And a black swan uh, event. Uh, it keeps saying. Just a reminder. <laughs> yeah, We're probably getting a rematch, even though I keep saying that Biden's not going to be the nominee. We'll I don't think either one of them is going to be the nominee. <laughs> we need to start placing our bets. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I'm going to take the... I'm going to take the house, man. I'm going to take Bush for a uh, Bush. I'm going to take <laughs> Biden versus yeah, Bush. Yeah, Bush whatever. Yeah, Bush versus Bush versus Clinton. I'm going to take um, uh, Trump versus Biden. Not that I think that there isn't a, a huge wave of Democrats who who wish to displace yeah. Biden. I mean, you see that all the time. Which but Trump and which they, Biden? No. They, they don't understand that there is a lot of institutional inertia and support for Biden by, you know, the 8,000 people in the, in the blue book, right? I mean, they, yeah. they all support Biden because they're going to be out of the job if it moves to whoever, Gavin Newsom or uh, Michelle Obama or Oprah or whoever it is. Um, so there's a lot of institutional inertia around uh, Biden. Mm -hmm. Well, what is the deal with RFK Jr. at this point? Because I think ever since he like sort of dropped out and went independent, he's lost momentum. But totally. on, the other, on the other hand, I mean, I've heard some polling and I know polling schmoling um, that both Trump and Biden are under 40 percent. And there's a large conting contingent out there that's looking for somebody else. And that, I think, is the the big variable, right? If it is Trump Biden, that's the big variable, I think, come this fall, right? Well, and the there's other people too, country. right? There's there's um what's his name? The black nationalist professor. Uh, I was just reading about him. Cornell today. West, is he the one? Cornell West, yes. Oh, yeah. West. He raps and, on uh, I, I don't and... I don't know if we have to worry about him. No, no, no. It's not about him winning it's about him oh. taking one percent two percent of the vote from the democrats I'd be shocked if he got that much um not if a certain block is really pissed off at biden yeah i saw that rfk jr has about 23 percent, but i don't think he's getting on the ballot in enough states to for that to matter yeah and again i like i, I like a lot of what he has to say um, I, you know, I think it was a mistake for him to drop out of the Democratic um, uh, nomination. I do think yeah. that uh, the the system we have is a geographic system for what is whatever. You know, we don't live in Israel where it's a party system, you know, or or um, you know, or France or something like that. We live in the United States as geographic. You have to have a geographic base. It's like risk, you know. You have to have you have to have your your base <laughs> and to build out of to build uh, from and uh, and you know Kennedy you know his base is you know he, he lives in New York and Massachusetts in that area you'd think he could you know build from that base um, but he hasn't seemed to be able to do so 
and, you know, and same with Cornell West. The, these are all vanity. The, the Libertarian Party, you know, you'd think the Libertarian Party would like concentrate on New Hampshire, which is fairly libertarian, or you would concentrate on, um, you know, try to find it's a if in, in, in a geographical system, you're going to have to find some place to build out first, rather than running these, uh, you know, always national campaigns at 1% or less. Um, so I don't entirely understand, you know, all these little vanity parties. So I shared a story with you, Guy, that Ramaswamy is going to do an interview with Tim Poole during the CNN debate, and Trump is going to do his thing. Um, you know how I feel about people doing their own thing during debates. But what do you guys make of all of this? Well, Vivek is a little bit different than Trump because Vivek was disinvited to the debate. He didn't have the choice to go to the debate. Is that because he didn't have enough? enough uh... Apparently. Okay. But I think with Trump, I think that, I, you know, you know, you guys know what I think of, of Trump not being willing to debate. He's not willing to do the interview for, for the job. Um, and to, to go he's and supposed try and, to huh? He's supposed to be on Fox. He's supposed to be doing a town hall on Fox at the same time as the debate. Right, but right. I guess my question uh, is also the Tim Pool. Why are you cutting into a supposed GOP debate? Why is, you know, Tucker did it, now Poole's doing it. Is well, that Poole is independent. He's not a Republican. The, the, the point of the point of the thing is that Vivek made a great point in the last debate. It's like, why aren't the moderators, you know, Joe Rogan, uh, Elon Musk, and, you know, mm -hmm. and Tim Poole or somebody like that instead of these, you know, three yeah. complete hacks from NBC News. And I think we are going to see that. I think, you know, Joe Rogan is no conservative, but he asks interesting questions. And same thing with Tim Pool. I mean, he has some conservative ideas. He has some liberal ideas. But, you know, he asks interesting questions. And the same with Elon. So it's like, when are we going to throw off the monopoly of these, um, these partisan, you know, right. major media hacks and get something real? So well, I like the fact that, that Ronna McDaniel in charge of. Yep. Yeah. The words out of my mouth, yeah. Stephen. Sorry, you can say it now if you want. I mean, you should, you, you know, if you had, uh, if you had, you know, three candidates on Temple's uh, IRL, you know, Timcast IRL, uh, you know, with, with an actual discussion, that would be way better than uh, a debate. I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest Tim Pool fan, I think. He has a lot of problems, but I think that from the standpoint of actually talking about stuff, that would be way better than these stage debates with all the flashy podiums and lights, yeah. and red, white, and blue, and three idiot uh, journalists. You're yeah. better off without a moderator at all. Let them just go in a room and go to go at it, like the Lincoln Douglas debates. That's exactly. how the Lincoln Douglas debates were. Yeah. I, I think you could do that with two people. I don't think you could do that with more than two people. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the two-person debate where they ask each other questions and, and you know, there might have to be a referee, but not a moderate. There's a bunch of NFL referees who won't be working soon in the big game, so maybe they can do it. 
Yeah. Oh, the other big story is our favorite scholar and university president, Claudine Gay, yeah. uh, a, a woman who, uh, who launched a thousand memes, sort of, you know, our modern Helen of Troy, um, finally uh, giving in and um, resigning as president of Harvard. Now, this woman had no business being resigning. A- Tenured professor at Upper Directional State. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. Why wasn't she selected to be a vice president instead of uh, Kamala? (laughs) Instead of Kamala Harris, yeah. She She had all the same criteria and she's not even as dumb as Kamala. No, probably. Well, that would be Um, And And if anything, you know, Biden would probably love a plagiarist on his ticket. There you go. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Plagiarist, plagiarist ticket. I think a bigger story is the the cutting off of the shipping lanes in the Red Sea, and you know the the increase in shipping prices that that's leading to, and the attacks on American ships. You know, I've been talking about that for weeks. How come nobody? Yeah. I've been the one yelling about that. I think that's a very big deal. Yeah. I think it shows that the United States military is completely ill prepared for this kind of mission. Uh, in the modern, you know, in the modern day and, um, you know, using $2 million missiles to shoot down $10,000 drones is, is not a, um, you know, obviously it's not a sustainable, uh, business model as we say in the business world. Um, and I think that, um, certainly I haven't heard of anything that the military has, even in the pipeline that could that could help this uh, drone problem. On the other hand, the drones are small, and if they hit the ship, they wouldn't do a whole lot of damage. They might kill a couple of people, which would be very bad. But well, the damage um, is that they're rerouting the ships. Period. So, yes, and exactly. I don't know why people that are more concerned about that. That is, to me, a very big deal. It's a big deal. The other thing is, you know, like, it's a big deal well, in the message that we're going to give into this. This is piracy. We always, we always play defense, right? We're always playing defense. It's like we've decided that. Um, you know, if you're playing soccer, we're only going to play on, on our side of the field. We're never going to go into that side because... Well, you know, have you seen our quarterback? Dangerous. How are we going to yeah. play offense with this quarterback? Wait a minute. Didn't so he play I, college football? I thought he played professional Which one? In Vietnam. Biden, right I, yeah. <laughs> in Vietnam. I mean, come on. The, come the on. secretary, you know, the, the, the first... Female admiral in the, in the navy. Yeah, that. that uh, no, I mean seriously. That like you know, how do you how do you fight drones, right? I don't know whether you've been seen, you know, seen any these, um, you know, concerts or or outdoor events or you know the Chinese Olympics where they have all these drones flying around and making patterns and whatnot, lighting up stuff. And and you know, obviously, the only way to fight drones is with other drones, right? And I think the U.S. has absolutely no ability to um, to do that. I think you know we're stuck in the 1970s where we fired these very expensive missiles. But why? At, it's not, uh, it's not the drones. The ability we don't have the desire to take the fight to them, and we just we wuss out because that's what we do. Yeah, I mean the other thing you can do, you know, there's electronic warfare that you can do to um, jam the the signal to the drones. It doesn't seem like we're able to do that. 
there's, um, you know, there's uh, directed energy weapons that we could use, we could deploy um, uh, like high power microwave, that sort of thing to fry the drones before they got near the show. There's all these things we could do um, and, and have, a, you know, have our own drone swarm to go out and seek out the other drones and destroy them. That's probably the cheapest thing to do. But, um, but the U.S. just, we're still fighting the Russians in the 70s. Well, why don't we do the one word fight that we're doing with Iran and just say don't? I mean, do something. Let them know that they can't do this. I, I think, you know, like the Israelis are, you know, how, how do you stop this? You know, well, Operation Linebacker, right? I mean, that, that's how you stop it. I mean, you go in with the B 52s where the Houthis are and just rolling thunder across the, you know, and, and, you know, kill thousand people like they did in North, in North Vietnam, which sort of brought the North Vietnamese to their knees. And uh, I, we're not, and that's kind of, you know, what the Israelis started to do a little bit of in Northern Gaza before, you know, everyone said, oh no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, and it's like, who the hell says we can't do that? They started it. So uh, I, I don't see any- an administration that's not opposed to it. That's the problem. Anything that takes the United States down a peg, anything that weakens this country, they're okay with. They encourage it. They just well, the don't Egyptians want to be are, encouraging it. The Egyptians are losing a shit ton of money over this. Um, and the problem is that the Egyptian military is a giant mafia, corrupt corporation that siphons off 25, 30, 40% of the, um, of the Egyptian GDP, they couldn't fight the Houthis if they wanted to, because the, the, the army is designed around business and corruption and whatnot. Um, but they're the ones who are losing tons of money over this fees going through the Suez Canal. You'd think they would want to do something. Not that they, you know, not that they really could, but it would be interesting to like ask them, aren't you mad? Well, I don't doubt the United States could do something, which is why I got to lean towards what Ed is saying. They just don't want to. No, no. No, I think it's interesting that they're more concerned about making sure that there's enough diversity in the military and wondering what the pronouns <laughs> are and making sure that they get all these vaccinations that are very harmful before we're actually protecting us like the one job they have is to protect us the citizens and they're failing and i think it's really interesting and i agree with ed m that it's by design and it is intentional this is obama's third term right the purpose of the military is social engineering it has nothing to do with hurting people anymore and breaking things Right. Well, I think it's more than social engineering. I think like everything else, it's being weaponized against the American people. That's why yeah, it's not exactly. that's why they're not guarding the border. That's why, uh, you know, to the extent that they're going to bring these people in. Uh, Ed P has has more than once said that he expects them to be, uh, you know, encouraged to join the military in exchange for citizenship. And that's mm -hmm. I, I have no doubt that's what the ultimate plan is going to be. Um, 
Yeah, at least, you know, of these 8 million people uh, Biden has let in, at least 3 million are military-age males who have absolutely no connection to the country, understanding of its history, its heritage, the principles involved. I mean, that's an army right there just waiting to be given guns. Yep. <laughs> and and to be, and for those guns to be turned on us. Did you guys hear Eric Adams' speech about how, like, so in New Jersey, they he's like, stop all the buses from coming in and delivering the illegals. But now New Jersey is putting them on trains and in cabs and in private cars to bring them into New York City. And so he had a whole press conference about that. So now the sanctuary city is no longer a sanctuary city, and he's trying to mm-hmm. stop the trains. Well, can uh, he? Has yeah. he- he can they repeal pricing, can't he? Am, am I going to be applauding Governor Murphy for something? I love what, what <laughs> Jersey, what they're doing with the migrants, with putting them on trains is just brilliant. I love it. Not sure. Oh, yeah, that. Well, if, if he's put, if them you on, can on stop that... movement between states, then let's start that right now. You know, <laughs> start with Virginia. Stop. And no one else comes in. I don't want anyone from the city coming to Long Island and moving out here. So let's stop that exactly. too. They're bringing their attitudes and their politics. No, <laughs> goodbye. Except for you, Steve. I don't consider you the city. Hey, thank you. Well, we're kind of on the border. <laughs> uh... Come on. So I saw that Massey and somebody else are going to, they're in they're proposing a constitutional amendment. I'm not 100% sure why that's necessary. I guess it's somehow built in the law to stop counting non-citizens in the census for congressional representation. And I know that was a subject of talk a couple of years ago, I guess, during the census. that They're claiming California has as much as seven extra congressional seats due to non-citizens. How are they going to get 38 states to ratify that? Well, I guess they're going to ride on the tails of the Convention of States, which is up to 19 states in only 400 years. So I'm sure they I mean, you know, again, the the issue is illegal aliens are not legally in the country. Let's say that again. (sighs) Not legally in the country. They're not in the country. Illegal aliens are not in the country. So why so why do you need a they should not be counted not count them? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Legal (laughs) aliens. As always, just don't. all the way back to the founding, legal aliens can be counted, should be counted, must be counted. But illegal aliens, they aren't legally in the country. They're not in the country. So th- they should I not be counted. I know how to fix yeah, that. I don't, I don't know why we need it. And then they'll say we can't do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, put I them on trains not to, to New York that. City, but back to Central America. Wasn't there a fight about this before the census? Weren't there even court cases about this that they were forced to count the illegals? Or am I? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Some Hawaii judge, you know the usual. Yeah, I mean it is pretty outrageous, and it has a tremendous impact. So, you mean it undermines our democracy? Yes, that that one. Yeah. Who's democracy? Yeah, I know. The big story. Is that only 20 years after Rush, Hannity finally left New York. Oh, did he? Oh, he's gone. Where did he go to? Really? Florida. He bolted. Florida. He's been talking about it wow. for a decade. Uh-huh. It's been a long time since Rush did it already, right? 
Oh, did God, he buy like Russia's it. house? I know it was for sale for like $75 million or something. Um, did he take his Fox News girlfriend with him too? His. I don't follow Hannity she did, much. She does the she did the morning show last time I checked, but I don't really watch much anymore. So listen, I mean it's gonna hurt us that he's taking his state taxes away with him. So they'll have to raise taxes on me again. Mm -hmm. I'm glad he did it. And I wish, you know, Allah Atlas shrugged, everybody would do it. Take all the big what guys. I think is amusing about that one is that uh Trump posted about that on on Truth Social. Or somebody posted I think it was yeah. Trump. And my first reaction was, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, they posted Hannity saying, I'm moving to the free state of Florida. And I wanted to ask, who's the one in charge of that free state of Florida? Yeah, they're conveniently ignoring the fact that Hannity is moving to De Sanctimonious' state. And I, I was exactly. wondering why everybody's ignoring that, including Hannity, I believe. Isn't Hannity still up Trump's, what do you call it? Derriere. Poland. Good word. Derriere. Yeah, but moving to Florida right now, to me, doesn't look good for Trump. He should have waited till Trump wins again or something. Again, I think it's a non-factor. What's a non-factor? Hannity moving to Florida? Like that's going to help DeSantis over Trump? No. It should have been mentioned that it's DeSantis' state and that's why it's a free state. Hmm. I read somewhere that Hannity is coming down off of the Trump train or at least a little bit less Trump Trump uh, I don't list, listen but to I don't him. watch no but yeah I, I I haven't watched him enough at all lately to know either yeah somebody must still be watching him I just don't know who yeah no it is funny how the um sort of mainstream conservative Republican ha ha has moved to alt tech, you know, the, the, the Tuckers and the Dan Bonginos and whatnot um, are seem to me to be, if not more popular, at least more newsworthy, more showing up saying something interesting um, than, you know, the Hannity's or the, I don't know who Jesse Kelly or whatever, whoever the Fox News. What about hosts. the great one? You know, it's interesting because uh, I had I had I don't listen to him nearly as much as I used to either. But I happened to catch his first show after the new year, and he he was very pessimistic, to say the least. Um, you know, the whole idea of a new year. He's like, "What's the big deal about a new year? It's the same. It's the same." stuff the same people we're headed in the same direction um and he was basically right about about everything of course but uh you know as i'm listening to him i'm realizing you know democrats are always out there about insurrection insurrection it's like the democratic party is the insurrection the left is the insurrection <laughs> they're, they're, it, you know they might not be taking up arms they might not be doing it in one day but drip 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 little by little that's their agenda, right? Yeah, and they're most succeeding there. So, yeah, but uh, I would suggest going to listen to his first twenty minutes of his monologue from uh, the other day. It, it was, it was interesting to say the least. Yeah.
But no, I mean, they. I don't think any of these guys have quite the impact that they've had in the past, right? I think talk radio isn't quite what it used to be. The loss of Rush had a big impact on that. Absolutely. Uh, no, nobody's been able to fill that void and nobody ever will. Um, the whole thing with Tucker on Fox News, I mean, like I said, I, I barely watched maybe if maybe a few days worth since he's been gone i just don't tune into them anymore uh, i don't find it interesting i don't feel like i'm getting any any insights on things um so on the on the right it's weird you know what i mean like where, where do you where do you look for certain voices that are out there i mean you know Tucker. liberty is, block well there's the liberty block but yeah, tucker you know is you know, I, I I mean, the whole thing with this the new app that he's launching. I mean, I don't know that this stuff works. It's 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 tough these days to get breakthrough. I really well known like him. I like James O'Keefe's like emails I get, and you know, yeah. usually on it you get a video of what he's doing, and he's engaged um, other like minded individuals to take on investigative journalism. I right. think that's important movement and drive for the right side and like i said whatever it is whatever email i get from him i do click on and it always yeah. i'm surprised at how interesting it is so right. i don't I'm allowed to like plug him but i really really yeah. recommend you know, it, it, it makes me think also of what happened four years ago with fascist book and 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 uh twitter and everything the way they controlled the narrative heading into the election for 2020 as well. And you know they're going to be doing the same thing. And, it, and it's interesting because I see some other friends on Facebook and it's gotten to the point where it, it's almost um, people don't even want to make a post about politics anymore because they just assume, people like us, we just assume we're being suppressed and we're being shadow banned. It's I even worse for me, Mike. I mean, I barely yeah. post, on, I barely go on Facebook anymore. Yeah, exactly. And it's I mean, not like I've got any substitute where I'm going other places. I've just sort of, sort of squelched yeah. that in my in in my mind. It's, I it's, just don't it, do it anymore. On top of all the, um, you know, the censorship, it's been corrupted by marketing and you know every I, other every other post is a sponsored post, and then you're being presented with all kinds of TikToky garbage. No, um, I I don't even see but, my friends. More. I get advertisements for cashmere sweaters, which one can never yeah. have enough, and percal sheets. That's all I see. Percal <laughs> sheets and cashmere sweaters. So I don't yeah. even go on. But I, I know, only again, get advertisements for things that I just bought. Yeah. I got a cashmere percal sheets. <laughs> regard, regardless of who the nominee is going to be, you know, come the fall, I, I don't think we can discount the impact that. The social media outlets are still going to have on suppressing the right, you know, the right voice, right? Our voices on the right and getting our message out. Because um, I don't think anything's really been done about it in those four years. In fact, it's just gotten worse in a way. Hey, to ask the question, hated. since when does the right have a message? <laughs> I think we we, we have Wait, I message, was channeling right? you, Ed. Liberty just... Block has a message. We have messages. But the right really doesn't have a message. You know, you saw the story out there today about the congressman making the most money off of uh, insider trading and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's McConnell and it's Crenshaw and then it's Pelosi. And it's this. where is the right, so to speak, doing anything different? Well, McConnell, McConnell was below the S&P. 
Um, so McConnell, I, as much as I hate him, he, he doesn't get any blame for this. But there were a lot of congressmen, both Republicans and Democrats, who outperformed the S&P extremely highly. And I think that that's very difficult um, without, you know, insider knowledge. And insider trading by congressmen is not illegal, so. Well, of course not. But I'm just saying it's, you know, it's both sides of the aisle and Republicans are playing a game and there is no Republican message. Like Ed always says, there's no Republican leadership. There's no nothing. So get out the message from the right. What message? Well, I'm talking about us, right? I'm talking about everyday people too, right? That want to disseminate things, you know? The whole budget thing is getting out of control, honestly. I mean, you know, I just read a future history book about uh you know what hyperinflation looks like and um we cannot continue to run 1.7 trillion dollar deficits every year um and no (laughs) and uh you know with with artificially low interest rates and and manage to um not have increasing inflation now yes it's artificially low interest rates. Ed, did you hear what, what Chairman Powell said a couple of weeks ago? It's coming down. No. He's December thirteenth. He, 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 he reversed course. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so it's coming down. Five and a half percent you know, is artificially low all of a sudden. I I know I've been tracking the mortgage rates for various reasons, and I write it down every week. And the mortgage the 30-year fixed conforming mortgage rate peaked at 7.675 and now it's down to 6.125. So, and that that's in like a month. So there's something going on in at the high end of the interest rate curve. Um, and I, I don't really know what it is, but you know, all of this is fake and gay as the, as the Gen Zers would say. And I, I don't imagine that, like I said, something's going on and I don't know how, the, you know, they can push this inflation off unless they raise interest rates more. And if they do that, then the budget will be sucked up by interest and they're going to have to run bigger deficits, which is more inflation, which is going to mean higher interest rates. And the, well, it's either hyperinflation or massive budget cuts. And I, I you know, the, this novel I was reading that uh, there was, you know, they, not a single congressman wanted to cut anything. They always wanted to vote for more uh, QE. So did you see the well, what's really interesting is that over the money, the money supply is actually contracting. And that and that's one of the f- things that people in the know think has affected power. Fed Chairman Powell's decision to, to reverse course or talk about reversing course. Um, and it would be really interesting because contracting money supply is deflationary. And, you know, at the very beginning of the show, Megan talked about a black swan event. You know, I, I hate to sound like all the economists out there who say every, you know, they always see a black swan event and they just keep pushing it further out. Um but something big is, is afoot. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen in 24, but um, I know that there's talk about 
this big Fed lending program to the banks coming to an end in, in March. Um, and it will be, I want to use the word interesting, but really the word is terrifying if we wind up with a combination yeah. of, of a deflationary crash where people are losing their jobs and inflation on essentials of life. You know, we can yeah, see that's interesting. I did not know that, Edward. I'm putting it up on the screen now. Um, the you know, there was this huge increase in the money supply during the COVID catastrophe under mm -hmm. Trump. And then it continued under Biden. But then it's uh, it has this is the M1. Mm -hmm. um, let's see M2 if we get also. The, uh, the M2 and components. Uh, ah, just give me the damn chart. Yeah, also going down. My favorite mm -hmm. is the uh, MZM. Um, and that is not going down. So, um, am I the only one who has no clue what this stuff is? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's been discontinued. Discontinued in twenty twenty one. Well, the M one and the M two are various measures of um, how much money there is in circulation, and uh, generally speaking, money consists of cash and things that can be immediately converted to cash like checking accounts or demand, other demand deposits like savings accounts or, or whatever. But generally the M1 is cash and checking accounts and then the M2 adds in like savings accounts and some money market accounts, accounts where you can get the, the cash immediately. And the MZM, which is discontinued because it's very interesting, is the uh, money of zero maturity, which means everything that can be turned into cash immediately. Um, hmm. And that uh, that is sort of the gross money supply. But I'll, they I'll simplify that. some things for you, Stephen. Think of it like this. We've been talking about the money supply increasing for, for at least since the, the great financial crisis or contraction or in 2008. And how has that happened? It happens by banks lending money into existence. They just create money and lend it and they put it on their banking on their books and then that new money gets deposited into another bank and it, there's new money in the system and loans are are pyramided off of that new money that's how the money supply has been expanding now when somebody in that pyramid defaults all of a sudden that money goes out of existence because it's no longer there they can't repay the debt so when you start getting cascading defaults, the money supply can contract if the defaults are going faster than money creation. Mm -hmm. And that's that's kind of, that's I you know, I am not an economist, so I haven't read all the studies on it, but that's what I understand is is happening. Um, there's also been a major outflow of deposits from both large banks and small banks. There's speculation that money, some of that money is going into Bitcoin and, to, um, and into other uh, money alternatives. And it's also going into precious metals, supposedly. Um, but in any event, this, the money supply is can be contracting. And when that happens, I mean, think about it. If somebody owes you money, you think that you might have, you know, if somebody owes you $1,000, you think you have $1,000. But when they default, 
it's not just that they don't have the money, you no longer have the money too. And, you know, your purchasing winds up going down, your investments go down, all of a sudden you have to liquidate your, you know, your stock portfolio. I mean, it has, it has uh, cascading effects. Okay. What's confusing to me is if somebody owes me a thousand bucks, it's because I lent them a thousand bucks. If right. in this, and thing, then they spend no it money on to you know, pay. this is a myth uh, because money, it's all a myth. It's non-existent money that was lent out. No, you really had a thousand dollars. I and you did. Lent it to the someone. banks didn't. You started off with the banks. Correct, the banks and that's didn't. right. And that's just that's the where value. The <laughs> that's the inflationary component of it. They're yeah. creating new money that didn't exist. But when and that money disappears, that it has the reverse effect. It's deflationary. And what's happening is you have both things happening simultaneously. Banks continue to create new money out of thin air but a lot of the previous money that was created out of thin air is going is going bust so you can have both deflationary impacts and inflationary impacts at the same time and we've never really had that before that's and nobody really knows how that's going to play out but it and that's why i said i started off by saying i want to say this is interesting but it's really terrifying because we could wind up in a situation where at, you know your 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 assets like the value of your house, the value of your stock stock portfolio is crashing, but the val but the cost of of food and oh. basic essentials is going skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. That's what I see. Is is it fair to say that the economy is a house of cards? I think that's pretty fair. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I it it sort of depends on what you mean. I, I, I think there is a substantial fraction of the economy that is that is fake. But I think it's probably substantial fraction, 10, 15, 20%, something like that. Um, whereas like in China, I think there's a, it's, it's a lot more of their economic activity is fake. So, um, you know, all of those giant cities that they build and blow up. Um, I, I do believe we have uh, some of the fake Chinese cities going on in the United States, uh, especially in like all of the green energy stuff, the, the windmills, the, uh, the solar plants, all of that is fake. Um, you know, to a certain extent, the electric car thing is fake. Of course, uh, you know, I like Elon. I like what do you mean by fake? Like, what do you what do you imply? It's it wouldn't exist without the government, right? Paying people for mandates and subsidies. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. Mandates, subsidies, right. tax breaks, well, all that stuff. Yeah, all, all that stuff is is a is a net negative, right? We know that. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no. So, green I mean, how much does you can't that... have green jobs without destroying jobs in in oil and yeah. coal and all that, right? <laughs> and driving up well, prices. Well, the the and, the thing is, I think they care about jobs more. I mean, in the oil business, nobody gets hired. Just, I mean, oh, and the whole diversity industry is fake, as we know from this Claudine Gay. You know, all of the people who work for all of these companies in DEI. Um, you know, and all of that, that's that, that whole section of the economy, which is huge, 
not just universities, but companies and everything. Mm -hmm. That's all, that's all completely uneconomic fakery. Right. And while it may be driven by more, you know, of course, Biden is pushing it, but you know, it may be driven more by the ESG stuff, um, BlackRock and Vanguard and, and State Street and whatnot. Um, that's all, that's all fake. None of those jobs are real. Um, and so it's, it's like, yes, there's a significant amount of the U S economy that is, that is fake. Uh, a lot of the government jobs are fake, right? I mean, uh, you know, it's not quite the government hires people to dig holes and then hires a different set of people to fill them in again. Um, but a lot of it is just jobs for the boys. And, and similarly with union, you know, the way the unions operate, uh, luckily unions don't actually represent workers. Now they only represent former workers, but you get the idea that, um, you know, feather bedding and whatnot, there's a lot of fake jobs there. So it's like, if the crunch comes, you know, if, if some sort of credit crunch or, or real serious recession uh, comes and, and is probably needed, then a lot of these fake jobs um, are going to go away. Okay, I, I'm confused. When you say the jobs are fake, I, I believe that means they're not really producing anything, which is not the same yeah. as fake loans where there was no money to begin with and it's just thrown up on a spreadsheet somewhere. Right. Well, e well even, the fake even, jobs even... are paid with, with fake cash because yeah. they're all government-related, right? I mean, well, that's the thing. I mean... There's always a fake job sector. The, the the government sector obviously doesn't produce anything, right? So, but this, despite that, whatever tax dollars they're getting and they're spending does put some back in the economy. It's just again a, a net negative. It's a, right that all that well, yeah, I mean, that some, opportunity some cost in the private sector that could have been used to create be creating jobs, real jobs. I mean, they got making the real things that people produces. want. You know, the government produces things. Now, there's a lot of waste in what the government produces, but it produces roads. It produces education. Now, we all have our problems with the education system, and we all think it's that's it's, it's horrible and whatnot, but that is an entirely socialized sector of the economy with a few colleges being the exception. And even those are, are so sucking on the government teeth that it's, um, they, you know, Harvard's supposed to be private, right? But, I mean, it gets more money from the government. Um, than anybody else. And the weird thing about nonprofits, right, is, is like, I have a company. I cannot retain earnings without, you know, paying taxes on them. But you set yourself up as a nonprofit and you can retain earnings to the point of having $25 billion in an endowment. Um, so it's, it's a, that's a scam that's based on the tax code. You know, I mean, it, it, a lot of these things are, are scams. And, uh, you know, obviously, but, it, but this kind of stuff's been around for a long time. Yeah. And it, yeah, is it worse now than ever? It's before? just getting yes. worse. But yeah, but big picture worse. when it comes to monetary policy and everything like that. I mean, I've always said for a long time, I, I feel like I don't want to wake up that one morning when everything's just totally imploded on us. But I can't tell because I, you know, I'm involved with insurance and I see what's going on I from people on all sides of it. It's the worst it's ever been, the tightest it's ever been. Uh, people are getting slammed with premium increases. So to to me, I mean, honestly, I, I'm worried about the housing market in general because I don't know how you can sustain the in inflationary impacts, higher interest rates, uh, people not even being able to find 
companies to insure them in certain states, right? I mean, there are some major, major problems percolating out there. And I, I just don't see how home values don't eventually take a hit. That's one man's opinion, I guess. I, well, I, mean, I have I a just, question, just, Mike. Isn't yeah. that part of Trump's 4D chess that he's going to fix the building and housing <laughs> by building a spectacular FBI building? I'm, I'm sure that's the solution. <laughs> Well, I mean, we we are in the we're in the situation where they're la allowing like millions and millions of people into the country, but they aren't building millions and millions of beds. You know, I mean, you know, it, well, it's, it's over just, hotels. So that, well, they yeah, but I mean, that's, go to New York City and squat. But that's what's driving up the home, you know, the home price market is is you know in, increasing demand and and no no supply now. Here in Northern Virginia, there are there are building houses, but like suppose you you're a builder, right? You want to build a apartment complex, right? That's at least a four year process from you get it in your mind and you have the money and you go to the planning commission and all that and you buy the land. Oh, that's that's a four year process. But the these eight million new people, um, that's a thirty second process. Well, it's a one day process to be, you know. Uh, cross the border in Texas and then um, then show up in Northern Virginia. So there's just no way that this isn't creating. And of course there are laws. No, none of the immigrants obey the law, but let's, uh, you know, about no, number of people, number of people per housing unit. Right. Um, but still there is a sort of physical maximum that you have to take into account. Um, and even if we were to build all the homes for every single migrant that came into the United States, still like the roads, the schools, the sewage, we do not have the the capability to hold all those people. I mean, like everyone after the pandemic came from New York City to Long Island. It is hell getting around town, going to the grocery store. I mean, Costco, anything like my daily freaking life is affected just from people from New York City moving to where I live. I can't even imagine how it would be affected. Now, Port Washington, they they do take all of the immigrants and they put them in the school. And the parents are the very progressive liberals are just like, I don't understand why my children are in such a crowded classroom. We pay for all the budget. We vote yes all the time. We pay $200,000 for DEI and everything like that. I don't understand why they're not learning and why our elementary schools aren't on the top list in the country. Yeah, we can't I, support I this. read that uh, half of the Fairfax County school budget goes to uh, teaching uh, kids who don't know English. Half. Right. And considering I pay ten grand a year in school taxes, um, I would, you know, I would rather that be five grand, to be honest, uh, and mm -hmm. not pay for all of those people who don't belong here to begin with. We can't support it. We can't. I mean, and, and I, I don't mean like I don't want to pay money towards it. I just mean it's an impossible equation. We we don't have the things put in place. It, it's just impossible. And it's cruel to do this to people who maybe some of them do have good intentions coming to this country and they do want a better life, but they're not getting it. They're lie they're being fed lies. And it's sad. Yes, they are there is a conspiracy, and I say that uh, you know hundred percent true, 
of certain groups in the United States who go abroad and try to get people to come into the United States and tell them exactly what they have to say to pass the refugee or asylee screening. And they <laughs> dutifully learn that and come up. And these, these NGOs are Western mm -hmm. um, in, in origin. It's not like there's some Nigerian group that's plotting to send all the Nigerians to the United States or some Guatemalan groups plotting. These are all Western, uh, the, the absolute positive worst one in the United States is Catholic uh, charities, you know, um, the but, but there is, but the Jewish, there are Jewish groups and, and, you know, other groups as well. Uh, and uh, I just, I don't, it's, it's nihilism, right? I mean, they want to destroy the United States. They want to destroy whatever it is we have. I just honestly don't know why. I honestly do not know why you would take someone from Guatemala who might, you know, have some sort of housing and some sort of uh, family and some sort of, you know, job that doesn't pay well and bring them to the United States and have them sleep on the street in New York City. I, I don't understand why they think that is a benefit to these people. They don't, uh, they don't know the language of the culture. people. They're not, that's not part of their agenda. Their agenda is to destroy the United States, not to better those people. It's cloud. Why are the, why are the Catholic charities? Why, why do they want to destroy the United States? That's, a, that's an interesting question. Bring, and, they're and, they're going to go to church. They're going to pay them money. Whereas they don't like Catholicism because of the pedophilia that went on. So they're now going to Pentecostal, but they're still trying, right? Because it's all about business. It's all about money. And they want those indulgences, even though we got rid of them, they want the money. And they think the yeah. Hispanics are the way to the gold. Well, you could be right. I hadn't thought about that. I, I saw it firsthand. I went to churches. I saw it firsthand. And I I, I have, um, I don't mean to be like this white lady, but I had like <laughs> nannies who are Spanish. And, you know, I, I heard out of their mouths. We, we came here. And they may have come through Catholic charities. They don't like the pedophilia. They said what they had to say. They did what they had to do. But they went to the Pentecostal church because it's Catholic without the pedos. So they are very family oriented. They should be Republicans. And I'm telling you, the moment that they all start voting Republican is the moment that all adding them to the census goes out the window. Bringing them in by busload goes out the window. Those Catholic charities are not going to be supported by the left wing when I had in a generation or so, maybe less, they start pulling the lever for the right. And the interesting thing, well, first of all, if the immigrants voted mostly Republican, you could see the wall uh, from the moon. But um, <laughs> but the uh, the. George W. Bush decided that it would be better if welfare could be delivered by private and parochial groups rather than by government bureaucrats. And so he started money flowing to a lot of these religious organizations, Catholic charities and others, um, to do... Uh, you know, humanitarian work. 
And I have a feeling that this is part of the humanitarian work that they're doing. Um, and, and, and the, and if they were starved of this government money, um, they would probably go back to, you know, caring for the immediate needs of the community, which is what the churches are supposed to do to begin with. Yeah. Well, that's how I got in. I, I went through St. Vincent de Paul and I actually got into the communities um, in and around Port Washington. I have to tell you that a lot of that, and I think I brought this up before, the minority communities, because we engage and we have discussions and we speak to each other like human beings, they would maybe they wouldn't switch to being a Republican, but they would vote Republican in elections. And, you know, really, that's what matters. So, I mean, it, it is important not to just you know, push them to the side and think we don't have a chance. Because I'm telling you, when you go in there and you prove that you are a benevolent soul and have these important conversations, they vote with you and they're, they do have opinions and they, they do care. And the, the minority communities are very family oriented, more so than I think a lot of, you know, non-minority people. And, the, you know, again, we, as you know, white people. <laughs> uh, we the deal whites. with minorities all. We, we couldn't be whiter, right? Yeah, uh, we deal with minorities all the time, right? I deal with minorities all the time, and don't even say my best friends. Are. <laughs> they're they're all like the hardest working people you've ever met, right? I mean that that's the thing. It's like they are. However, yes. this is sample bias on our part. It is. You're right. Um, they're. Uh, you know, the, the, um, uh, when I said minority, I meant, meant immigrant, um, you know, there's something like 40% of Native American families who are on some sort of welfare, and it's, it's 60% for immigrant families. And so while our personal experience with immigrants is we see those who work their butts off and that's mm-hmm. why we hire them, right? That's why we hire them because they work their butts off. There is this whole back end that is receiving a ton of of government handouts that we don't I, I, see because they're 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 busy planning to bomb the Boston Marathon or or equivalent. You know, well, so even if um, they're even if they're working and getting something, they still could be getting some assistance. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh, they they're very you know I I notice when I lived in Allentown, Pennsylvania, how, how that played out, you know, baby daddy would get out of jail and then, you know, they'd get there, live with the mom, but say they'd live with the mom, but actually live with the baby mama. And then they'd be getting all sorts of, they don't get married because then that would destroy part of their welfare and all this other stuff. So I, I saw it and all races, all spectrums, not, not just one or two or minority, um, I saw that, how it played out. And I was like, you know what? Do I really need to get married? I could just have baby daddy. And my husband could just be my baby daddy. It's be so much more uh, profitable for us. You, you couldn't design a system to, that would more effectively destroy the social fabric than the one we designed in the 60s for, for welfare in this mm-hmm. country. Yeah. I mean, even if you meant to, you couldn't design a better way to destroy a country. I mean, I love Patrick I, Moynihan said the same thing 40 years ago. I even Indeed. More than that already know. Mm-hmm. What's that? Is it even more than that? When did he say that? 
You know what? It was it was probably about fifty years ago. It was in the seventies. It's crazy. Yep. I think it was. I think it was close to nineteen seventy. Close to nineteen seventy. Yeah. Rather than nineteen eighty. Fifty years already when they figured this out. I didn't hear you, Ed. Uh, oh, D Daniel Patrick Moynihan produced a report on the evils of the welfare system <laughs> close to 1970 yeah. and about how it's destroying the family. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's, he, you know, he's a Democratic senator from New York, right? A and, liberal Democratic um, senator from New York. Yeah. There's a, there's a great book on the American welfare system called The Tragedy of American Compassion. Yeah. Definitely right. worth seeking out. And the, um, you know, Losing Ground by uh, Charles Murray, which was about 1980, um, uh, he, he uh, basically showed through both data and through logic puzzles that, um, uh, that, you know, it can't work, right? I mean, the obvious one, and not to take up too much time, it's like, you want to stop people from smoking. So you say, okay, I'm going to pay you $5,000 if you stop smoking. Well, what does that do? It causes all these people to start smoking so that you get 5,000 yes. when they stop, right? Yeah. And, and so, and these are easy, easy logic puzzles, right? And they say, okay, well, you know, you would have to have smoked for like two full years before you, I'm like, great, well, just start smoking and smoke for two. You know, it's like, it's as if they, they imagine that like people don't have agency. So they're not going to like react to these incentives. Um, and so you, you know, as he goes, the smoking example is one of them, but you could, you can imagine the others. It's like, no matter how you try to do it, you have to have rules and regulations on top of rules, on top of rules, on top of rules, on top of tests, on top of tests, you know, all of this to try. And, and it just, it, you're end up employing more bureaucrats than you do helping people stop smoking. And, and it just, it's impossible to do. It's impossible um, yeah. to affect Right. policy in a positive way and in this way right and and it also disincentivizes people wanting to climb up the ladder i think i i used to have access i think it was a report on this where it showed once you hit a certain income threshold mm -hmm. you, you could lose all these benefits that you have and you just actually be worse off right because you were getting so yeah, many my that it would you, my sister lifestyle would just plummet your income would actually my sister is you on didn't want uh, disability. The next raise, you know. My sister is on disability, and and she gets about two thousand dollars in social security, and a thousand dollars she's allowed to make. She's not allowed to make more than a thousand dollars, or she loses yeah. her her disability. She also, because she's disabled, gets Medicare, and Medicare is you know extremely uh, valuable. So we were doing the math the other day. So you know she gets thirty. $6,000 a year, call it an in income at plus Medicare. You'd probably have to make $78,000 a year in the private sector uh, um, to get out of that hole. So that's a, that's a big gap, mm -hmm. a skills gap, especially someone who's disabled, who would like to work more, would like to earn more, has the skills to work more, not full time, but more, but is not allowed to. Yeah, and so there's this gap between you know 36 and 76 mm -hmm. that is impossible that sort of traps her in this disability bucket. And now he's at the point where she's like, "Well, I can only earn a thousand dollars a month," and she's gone to a couple employers because she was laid off from previous job. This is all too much, uh, but 
they said, uh, she said, you know, I, they said, well, yeah, we could, we could save you for this many hours. And, um, and she said, well, you know, uh, uh, but like we have a corporate minimum payment of $20 an hour nowadays, and that'll put you over the thousand. She says, oh, don't worry about that. Just, just pay me 1250 or something. I, I get it under, I don't, I just want hours to work. You know, like, we're not allowed to pay you 1250, you know, we're not allowed to pay you less than, um, corporate says. Um, and so she's lost two jobs that way where they, she begged them to pay her less so that she would remain under this, this disability cap of private right. income and, they simply couldn't do it. Minimum wage in New York is now, I believe, 16 an hour, folks. Well, it's actually zero. Yeah. We talked about that. Guys, I want to start wrapping up. Mike, uh -huh. what that we didn't do? Oh, I mean, I, I don't know that we missed anything. Um, you know, obviously, I think last week we talked about maybe making some bold predictions. I, I, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh. it's going to be interesting that you know, we're coming up on, on the New Hampshire primary and whether we're ready or not, here we go. It's going to be... Iowa comes first. I mean, Iowa, yes, Iowa. Um, it's going to be interesting to say the least. The least. Probably the craziest polit political year we're ever going to be in store for at this point, given everything that's going on. So, we'll see. Uh, Megan, what you got? Uh, yeah, I didn't hear that last part. Are you asking for predictions? No, uh, no, not necessarily. We we talked about it a little bit last week, but anyway, it's it's just interesting that, like I said, it, it's it's upon us whether we're ready for it or not. We're uh, in for probably one of the craziest years politically we've ever ever experienced. Anyway. Oh, oh. I'm sorry, I didn't hear like that last part for some reason. The sound cut out, so I apologize for having you repeat yourself. Yeah. No uh, what do I? What do I? In terms of wrapping up, that's what we're doing right now. Whatever you want to talk. Yes. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't really have uh, much to contribute except for that. I really do think that even if you're not in or around CD3 in New York, um, I would strongly urge everyone to reach out and to find out from the NASA GOP, NASA County GOP, how you can make phone calls no matter where you are in the country or the world, how you can, you know, you could, you could even like do printouts and just stuff envelopes. There's several things that you could do even though you're not in or around CD3 to help Mazi Polite win because as I, I think, this is more than just about CD3. This is a message to the world that not, we're not going to stand back and tolerate what's happening over there in um, the Middle East. And this is so much bigger than Long Island. So I just want to um, advocate and strongly urge everybody to make phone calls, to reach out to the Nassau County GOP, find out what you can do. Those who are on this um, you know, podcast can always reach out to me. I'm always going to figure out a way to put you in contact with the right people. I'm working on doing that with Steve right now. Um, so um, I would appreciate it. And like I said, it's bigger than CD3. Ed P, what didn't we talk about? Well, it's interesting. Um, Google's uh, attempt to memory hole all interesting information has not yet quite uh, come to its uh, final 
stage. So you can go onto Google Trends, and um, if you look up Black Lives Matter or BLM on Google Trends, you can see that there was a first kind of a an uptick during the Ferguson era, which is 2014, which sort of started <laughs> this racial reckoning. But then there was a huge uptick in 2016, and then it died down. And then there was a huge uptick in 2020, and then it died down. And it's really weird because, like, 2016, what happened then? What happened to 20? Oh, yeah, there was those were election years. So my prediction is that uh, since um, the uh, pro-Palestinian demonstrators aren't doing the Democratic Party any real good, except for young people who don't tend to vote, um, I think they're going to turn their signs around sometime when the war weather gets warmer, and I think we're going to have a big uptick in BLM protests. As I've said before, about a dozen unarmed black men get killed by police every year, so they can pick a month, and there's guaranteed to be some unarmed black man killed by police um, that they can use as their pretext to start a BLM uh, fiery but peaceful protest. So that is my prediction. We are going to get another surge of BLM yeah, uh, rebranded maybe because the brand has taken a bit of a hit. Um, but the same sort of thing, uh, racial reckoning in 2024. That is my prediction. Cool. Hey, clean up. I think the story that we didn't talk about was Governor DeWine in Ohio vetoing the bill to protect children and, and uh, parents' rights from uh, the transgender agenda. And uh, He's taking a lot of flack. Uh, I wonder how he's gonna how he's gonna go forward with that. But um, you know, he's a supposedly Republican governor in a pretty solidly Republican state, and he he hunted on it. So uh, I thought that was the story that we were going to talk about. Um, as far as predictions, uh, you know, I it's not really a new one, but I, I think that I don't think that either Trump or Biden is going to be the nominee. Uh, I'm more confident that Trump will not be the nominee, but um, I don't think Biden is going to be the nominee either. Uh, Mike alluded to the fact that Iowa is now 13, to, uh, 12 days away as we're recording this. And um, we'll, we'll see. I think Iowa is going to be a reckoning. I mean, if Trump really has a 50 point lead and that's what comes out in Iowa, then two weeks from today, we'll have a show and, and I'll say that Trump's going to be the nominee. But I, I don't predict that to happen. So. Uh, we'll see in two weeks. Get yeah. your MAGA hat ready. And as I said last week, it's so sad that it's over before it starts. Mm -hmm. All right, folks, we will wrap up with that. Please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. Please visit libertyblock.com for latest articles and stories. And we wish everyone a wonderful week and once again, a happy new year.